0: Start a new chapter today, the second to the last chapter in our entire series, um, what I call Marked for a Mission. Welcome, welcome to every single one of you. If this is your first time visiting with us, a special welcome to you. Or if you have been here for like the last 10 years and you haven't missed a Sunday, um, let me tell you this there is a word. From the Lord, from this word to you, not not from a man. There is a word from the Lord for you this morning. I don't know about you, but I find that amazingly encouraging. Um, Brad and Tricia, uh, Rachel and Joseph, welcome, welcome. It is always a delight uh, to have the Hendersons home. I I I met. Uh, Brad, when he was about four years old, um, and have watched him grow and mature as a young man. Uh, there are many things that I love about Brad. One of them, and probably more than anything else, is that he had a he has a really hot sister that um, 28 years ago last Saturday um, I married, and it is an absolute privilege. Um, to call uh, Wendy, my wife, Grandma, and Grandpa Henderson are here visiting from Florida as well, as well as Brad and Tricia. We are most blessed um, by God's grace. We're at a really interesting place right now as a church. Um, God is doing some really, really neat things. He is at work, but let me tell you this. I have been more burdened, I think more than ever, uh, particularly last uh, week, to two weeks, um, that we're at a really critical juncture as a church. Um, and I talked with the elders this past uh, Wednesday. Uh, we met late into the night and we're praying um, and have decided that we need to commit time to the Lord specifically in prayer as a body. Um, and so I, I know that we are to pray for our brothers and sisters in Guatemala and Tanzania and other places, but we also have a responsibility to pray for the mission field of Lock Haven, um, Pennsylvania. I had just had I've had so many faces and names that just come across my my mind that we need to be lifting up before the Lord in prayer. So what we are going to do, and I would encourage you every single every single day uh, for 30 straight days for the month of September, we are going to be meeting here at seven o'clock to pray, to pray specifically for the mission field of Lock Haven. Um, I would encourage you to be there. I don't think any one of us will be able to be there every single day, but we will strive to be here as often as possible to spend time together on our knees before the Lord. Um, As we know that he has called us at a really necessary time to present the full truth of the gospel. Even this message today um, there's parts of the gospel that are really, really hard for us to process. There's parts of the gospel that in 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 our flesh, in my flesh, we talk about the the guilty being completely set free. and that that rubs us the wrong way. and yet that that's us, that's me. And we have to be mindful of that as we continue to strive to do the work of the gospel in this particular community. Let, let's let first and foremost pray. Let's commit our time to the Lord and ask him to speak to us. And may, may we hear from him. Father, we love you and we just thank you for the privilege of given to us to meet one more day, one more time. I thank you for every single person that's here. I thank you, Lord, for the reports of what you're doing overseas. I thank you, Lord, for, Um, families that desire to raise their children according to your word. I thank you, Lord, for us being afforded an opportunity to come and lift up our voices in song and worship, acknowledging that you are the cornerstone, you are the foundation and the rock of everything. God, please now guard me, my mind, my mouth. Um, May you speak and may we together hear and learn. We ask this in the strong and powerful name of our Savior, Messiah, Jesus. Amen. And amen. <clears throat> Have you, um, we're in church, we've got to be honest, okay? Never get pulled over for speeding before, ever maybe creep over, it says 55, maybe you did 56 one time. and And in that one moment, there's blue lights, and there's this feeling like, it's like, oh no, you know? In my, in my, Um, younger years, it's better now in my younger, wild days. I, I struggle with speed limits. Like just when it says like this. And so I have to confess to you that I have grace. We extend grace to one another. Okay, I have been pulled over and got a speeding ticket in Pennsylvania before. As well as New Jersey, New York, New Hampshire, Maine, Georgia, Florida, and Idaho. I've been in Idaho one time. Do you realize, and I am telling the honest truth, they raised the speed limit in idaho. there are There are roads that you can drive eighty miles an hour. We took pictures. I'm like, this is so cool, and I got a speeding as a matter of fact, there are more speeding tickets given in Idaho than a lot of other states. like just creep it up, and it really doesn't matter. We want to cross that line. And what's interesting is this. Every single time, and don't look at me like I'm the only guy that's ever got pulled over here, okay? Like I'm getting some, like, What is interesting is that whenever one gets pulled over, for some reason there's this thought, there's this idea about, what about the black BMW just passed me a little while back? Isn't that true? Like, how, how come... Like, what, what was it about... Like, why did you have to catch me? There's someone else that's worse than me. Yeah, I'm guilty. All right, I did 57 in a 55. But yet, yet, there's, there's this automatic pointing fingers at, how did you miss him? Why does he get to go free? In a sense... There are elements of that very thought that have been given to us in our hands that we are now to offer to those in the very community that we are called to live in. The guilty set free. And we see that in this text here this morning in Mark chapter 15, the first 15 verses. Let's let's reprime the pump a little bit. It's been a while. I know there's a lot of narrative. There's a lot of story. I've been looking at the final week, the final days of the formal ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we are literally in the final hours, the final hours. Jesus has celebrated the Passover with his disciples. The betrayer has been identified. They recess to the Mount of Olives, a favorite place. Specifically, they go to the Garden of Gethsemane and Jesus says, watch and pray. Stay here, watch and pray. Same mandate for you and I today. Watch and pray. The disciples, Jesus, knowing that the disciples were going to fail, were going to fall asleep, the disciples argued. And said, no, 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 no. If we have to die, we will never deny you. Isn't that us at times? God gives to us a job to do. And we're we're like, don't worry about it. We got it covered. And yet we know that the disciples fall asleep. We know that Jesus is arrested after he feels the weight—the the, the weight of the entire world pressing down upon him. It, it says in Scripture that he was distressed and troubled. It says that his soul was sorrowful even unto death. He prays, "Abba, Father, Daddy, take this cup from me, please. I don't want to—I don't want to suffer like this." Jesus praises you, and I need to learn how to pray—not—not not what I want, what you want, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus is betrayed by one closest to him. Judas is betrayed by a kiss. Peter, one of the sleeping disciples, is startled and he jumps up, grabs a sword and is going to what? save the Savior. How does that work? How does that go? Peter lops off a guy's ear, he's rebuked. Peter put the sword away. Let the scriptures be fulfilled. I have a perfect plan for, for you, for all of us. Jesus is brought before this mock kangaroo court, this trial in the middle of the night. Are you the Christ? The, the, the Jewish leaders ask the scribes, the priests. Two simple words I am. A word that God spoke from the burning bush to, to Moses I am. Tell them, I am sent you. That's the authority. And Jesus remained silent. People just hurling accusations and attacks, insults and criticisms. And he's silent in fulfillment of prophecy. That was he opened not his mouth. As a, as a lamb brought before shears. He's silent. Jesus was silent. We know that Peter he follows. Oh, how we desire to follow Jesus. But we don't want to be too close. Peter follows, but but but. But falls short and, and denies. He's, he's in a sense caught warming his hands by a fire, and a little tiny girl says, Hey, aren't you one of them? And he denies Christ. I don't know him. A second time, a third time. And he curses and he swears. Never knew him. I'm not one of, one of, one of those. Rooster crows and it all comes flooding back. Those sounds that we still hear today that remind us of our own failures. It says that, G, that, 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 that Jesus looked at Peter and Peter went out and wept bitterly. Uh, we want to follow, we want to be committed, but we just don't want to be too committed. We'll attend church. We'll drop something in the plate once in a while, but let's not take us out on a on another night for home group. We can't outside of Sunday. We can't go there. We'll follow, but we're not going to follow too close. We're committed. We're not going to be too committed. Doesn't work like that. Every single person I've ever baptized has gotten all wet, not a little wet. Whenever you follow Jesus, you have to be all in. That's what we're talking about right here. Even when it comes to communicating a message to those that you love and those that you live next to and that you share a school bus with or a classroom with or a locker room with. You have to offer them a message. talks about the fact that guess what? Those who are guilty will be set free. We're introduced to people like Pilate and Barabbas, and I don't like them in my flesh. I don't like either one of these guys. And yet they get set free. The message of the gospel. Follow along as I, as I read 15, uh, Mark 15, begin with in verse 1. And as soon as it was morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and the scribes and the whole council. And they bound Jesus and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, are, are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, you have said so. And the chief priests accused him of many things. And Pilate again asked him, have you no answer to make? See how many charges they bring against you? But Jesus made no further answer so that Pilate was amazed. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have him release for them Barabbas instead. And Pilate again said to them, Then what shall I do with the man that you call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, Crucify him. Pilate said to them, Why? What, What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Crucify him. Kill him. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Fifteen verses. It's a relatively long text, but it can very easily be summarized by a few words from verse 12. It is in the form of a question. A question that is asked by a maniacal, self-absorbed, self-centered He's confused. He is certainly a crooked Roman ruler whose name was Pilate. You can add Pilate to a long list of really dark figures that have all contributed to the murder of Jesus. Annas and Judas and Caiaphas, Herod. Now we have Pilate. Verse 12, it's this question, and Pilate asks this question, then what shall I do with the man that you call the king of the Jews? In a sense, he's asking, what shall I do with Jesus? Today, this morning, this very moment, this minute, we need to ask this question. What will you, you, not the person sitting next to you, what will you do with Jesus? Realize this is the ultimate Question that every single human being that has ever walked or lived or breathed on the face of this planet, every single person has got to answer. And let me tell you this, the eternal destination of every single person will be determined by how they answer that question. What will you do with Jesus? Your soul you will live forever and ever. And ever and ever, in one of two places, with God in glory, in heaven for all of eternity, or separated from God, in torment for all of eternity, heaven or hell, dependent upon the question and the answer, how and what we do with Jesus. If you recall, Jesus has been brought before the Jewish religious leaders, some people don't realize the Sanhedrin made up of um, scribes and, and priests. There's 70 men with the chief priest. There's 71 in this council. You have to remember the setting here. This is, this is what is referred to as occupied territory. Remember the Roman Empire? This mighty Roman Empire that stretched its arms, strong arms, as far west as Spain, as far east as to the Persian Gulf, as far north as to the United Kingdom, and as far south down into Africa and Egypt by the, by by the, by the Red Sea. A massive, massive land mass that was, in a sense, controlled in pockets by, by deposed governors from the Roman Empire. The very first governor uh, of this area, of this Palestine or Israel, his name was Caponius, of whom Josephus, the historian, wrote this. He had the power of death to be put into his hands by Caesar. In a sense, the Romans ruled and the Jews, according to what the gospel says in in John chapter 18, the Jews said what? It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. So although the the religious right, the Sanhedrin, want Jesus dead, they can't execute him. They got to get permission and somebody else has got to carry out the dirty work. That's the reason that he ends up on Pilate's porch. Pilate, this self serving in many ways he is a coward he's just trying to get his he's just trying to save his job there's been uprisings he is he has been caught with his hand in the treasury stealing on more than one occasion the relationships are not well the 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 jews cannot stand the romans the romans just tolerate the religious fanatics they would call them of the jews we begin with what? The fact that Jesus is before Pilate. Number one, Pilate obviously had a problem with Jesus. Number one, Pilate had a serious problem here. His name was Jesus. It says as soon as it was morning. The Gospel of John says what it was early morning. The Jews are really trying to save face here in many ways because it's not, it's not right to have a court or a trial at night. It was supposed to only be done in, in daylight. So they wait to the early morning. As soon as the sun is up, there has to be some semblance of it looking legal. It was at this time that they take Jesus to the Praetorium. It's a it's a residence near the fortress of Antonia where Pilate actually lived. And it says they delivered him over to Pilate. It's interesting the Gospel of John again adds some detail. They delivered him over. Why? Because they themselves not enter, would not enter, so they would not be defiled, so they could eat the Passover. Get the, get the degree of hypocrisy here. They want a man to be murdered. They want him to be unjustly killed. They want those people to do it, but we can't get close to you because we're too spiritual. We're celebrating the Passover and you guys are unclean. If we get too close to you, then we'll be unclean and we can't worship God. The degree and the levels of hypocrisy are disgusting on display here. They're just looking for a rubber stamp. Just just, just just, sign him off. We'll get rid of this guy once and for all. He has been a plague for us. So they give him over to Pilate. Pilate, in a sense, wakes up. It's early in the morning. He kind of rubs his eyes and tosses his hair. And there's this bound, bloody prisoner on his porch. The Jews are saying, we want him dead, but we can't kill him. You have to. Pilate asked him a question. are, are you the king of the Jews? And he, speaking of Jesus, answered him and says, you have said so. Sulago is the name, literally two words, you say it. What? Are you the king of the Jews? You said it. That's exactly what Jesus' response is. And it says specifically, he made no further answer. It's interesting here, the response to Pilate is, he is what? Met with this man on his porch, first thing in the morning, the Jews are yelling and screaming, they want him dead. He asks him a question, affirms it, and it says that Pilate was, and the word is thumanso. he's amazed. It has to do with this idea of wonder. He is perplexed, he is marveling. He's fascinated. Why is it that they are hurling all of these false accusations and insults against you? You're just quiet. Why is it that you have such confidence? Why is it that there is such peace in the midst of all this chaos? Isn't it interesting that as we share the gospel, a lot of people can tolerate God. There's a lot of God talk in our culture. But when we get specific... The name Jesus. That's where things begin to get a little dicey. Who do you you think? And why is it that you're Jesus? And even today, even today, 2,000 years after this, people are still fascinated. Jesus. Kevin DeYoung says it like this, what? Fascination is not the same as faith. There's a lot of people that are fascinated with Jesus, but they're not saved. Interesting here is if you were to go through history books, there is there is many a record that talks about the fact, and it's usually under this label, Jesus before Pilate. I, I would actually suggest to you that it's the opposite. Pilate is confused. He doesn't have a clue what's going on. They're just looking for a rubber stamp from somebody to do the dirty work. He's a puppet. Rather than, rather than as history books would say, it's Jesus before Pilate, it's really Pilate standing before Jesus. Why? Because Jesus knows how this is going to go. He has written the script. His, his heavenly father has told him every little detail of what must take place. Let the scriptures be fulfilled. Pilate has no authority here. Pilate is clueless. Jesus is in complete control. Jesus knows how the story ends. Be reminded of this fact, regardless of what you hear, what you see and listen to and read, no earthly power has authority over Jesus. It says in his word that every single knee will bow and every single tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord at one point. We are confronted with this question, and it is this question that we must make sure that we, what, confront others with. What will you do with Jesus? Certainly, Pilate had a problem, but secondly, Pilate had to make a decision about Jesus. And he comes up with this idea. Surely, surely, surely this will work. Relations have been bad, obviously, between the Jews and the Romans, so what happened is that the Jews would have a tradition, and so oftentimes the Romans would would allow them. They would do things to do favors and offer goods, and even throw festivals at times just to just to keep the people happy. Just don't be a, don't don't cause a fuss. It was in this particular case that there was a particular tradition at this time at the feast. A prisoner, a convict, would be set free. At the feast, it says in verse 6, he used to release for them one prisoner for whom they asked. So Pilate has this idea. As we oftentimes come up with these, hey, I've got a great idea. I have a guy locked up and he is a bad dude. Now, if I put him next to this guy, at best a religious fanatic, surely, surely the people, surely the crowd will understand. Surely. Surely. They, they, they will let this Jesus go. Jesus is the perfect prisoner to sense the set free. What has he done? He has actually healed people that couldn't walk, and now they're walking and jumping and running. He's touched what the faces of and the skin of, of lepers that has been healed. It's just like a baby's skin. They're blind people that couldn't see, and Jesus touched them and healed them, and now they can see. Jesus has fed thousands of people. Every single thing that he has done is Wonderful thing. Then there's Barabbas, this thug from the ghetto. Leader of an insurrection. He's responsible. He's actually convicted as a murderer doing hard time as a killer. And he offers them both. They're on the platform with Pilate in the middle. Barabbas on one side and Jesus on the other. Who is it that you want set free? You want this murderer? You want this one who simply claims to be the son of God. Pilate neglecting the fact that what? The chief priests had stirred up the crowd. They had already worked the crowd. And the same people that a week earlier were taking off their coats and and taking branches and laying them in front as Jesus was on that little donkey and they were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna to the king! The same voices, the same People are gathered in complete shock to Pilate. His plan goes south and they are shouting, crucify Jesus. Crucify him. Kill him. Set Barabbas free. So Pilate wishing to satisfy the crowd released for them Barabbas. Barabbas. Having scourged, Jesus delivered him to be crucified. A Roman centurion probably walks up to Barabbas and puts a key in in his cuffs or unlocks the chain. Barabbas goes free, walks down off the platform. He's greeted by all of his thug friends. Love me! No, 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 no. As a heavenly father, who loves you. It brings us to our third and final point this morning that Jesus is the solution to everyone's greatest problem. And I'd be honest, I've confessed that God is beating ticket or too. I have to confess to you that I don't like Barabbas. He's a thug. He picks on the weaklings. He's guilty. He deserves death. He deserves to be crucified. And yet because of the plan that God has written, he is set free. And I think in all honesty, one of the reasons that I hate Barabbas is that I look just like him in many, many ways. That I am as guilty. God's word says that if you are angry in your heart towards a brother, then it's the same as murdering him. That I am guilty of murder. There's no difference. And yet we know that what Jesus, perfectly, perfectly innocent, the lamb of God. How is it that a lamb... Can take away the sins of the entire world. Why? Because the Lamb of God lived a perfectly pure and sinless life. And the Lamb of God is the only one who could die in the place that you and I deserve to die. It allows for us to have a message to share with our neighbors, to share with our classmates. It allows us to have a church that that offers one message. I was talking to someone recently and they were asking, so what, 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 do you, what do you do? What do you do when you stand up there? And I said, I just say the same thing every single week. I just tell people good news that although you and I, every single one of us, know in our heart of hearts that we are guilty. that We are, we, 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 we are what? Deserving of the worst. The good news is that Jesus says I love you and i'll take the place that you deserve how can you how how can you be silent about that how can you not shout that how can you not embrace freedom a message that runs all the way through the truth of Scripture. Galatians, Paul writes in the Church of Galatians, chapter 5, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Don't you realize that when you've been set free, why would you want to go back? And yet, so many times, we who have been forgiven and set free from our sin, we go back and forgive me for this graphic, gross picture, but it says in Scripture, as a dog returns to its own vomit. I don't know about you, but I have a hard time at looking at that. And that's, that's the description of you and I going back to the chains. Christ has set us free. Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, what now the Lord is a spirit. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom some of you who have been ensnared are so desperately longing to be free. Thus the full truth and weight of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul writes to the church at Rome. He says, but now you have been set free from sin. The gospel of, of John says this in chapter 8. So now if the son has set you free, you will be free indeed. Peter it says in chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 16, live as free people. And later, Peter, remember Peter, the one who what? It was cold outside and it was dark outside. He's warming his hands and he denied Christ. Later, Peter writes these words that I, I know as Jesus turned and looked at Peter and Peter went out and wept bitterly that it was this phrase. He writes in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous or the just, or the unjust. Jesus, the righteous one, suffers for us, the unrighteous ones. And we got a problem with why is it that he doesn't get caught? No, 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 don't, don't worry about that other person who didn't get pulled over. You worry about the fact that we, like Barabbas, are deserving of The worst. And Jesus says, no, no, no. I will take your place. In closing, this is hard. This flies in the face of everything that you will hear in this entire world. But you need to learn to see yourself as guilty, not innocent. There's no little white lies. There's no good work. You can't go to church enough. You can't look the part, talk the part. We are all sinners, all fall short of God's glory. Know, secondly, that Jesus was perfectly innocent who died in the place of the guilty. Jesus, the Lamb of God, John the Baptist saw him and said, behold, Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Thirdly and finally, trust that Jesus died for you so that you can be forgiven and you can be set free. So that you can tell others how they can be forgiven and they too can be set free. What will you do with Jesus? Father, we love you, we thank you for we thank you for the gospel. We thank you for this reminder that it's hard to hear, it doesn't seem right, doesn't seem fair, but we thank you for your love for us. God, help us to be faithful and help us to be fervent in our witness in the community you have called us to be a part. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.